You're listening to Wife on Earth with me, Celia Jessen. This is our book review-based podcast, but as the library is unavailable to us and most of our regular reviewers are struggling to sign on at the moment, we're recording our second series here at home. Firstly, we have the guests in quarantine with us, two of them. It's most unusual. What happened was this. On the very day that our PM announced we were to stay at home, finally, we had visitors. Our local musician and technical support man, known to all as Centre Partin Martin, even though he's completely bald, had nipped round to borrow Fred's bicycle pump for his little nephew Adam's go-kart tyres. Well, unfortunately... Fred sneezed on both of them, and to be on the safe side, they decided to move into our two spare rooms, which is jolly. Adam is thrilled with Billy's old room, as it still has Lego, uh, a working work, working miniature crane, and uh, a model of a tiger tank, I think it's called, that fires matchsticks. So he's very happy, and Centre Martin Martin happened to have his electric guitar and travel lamp with him, which he always has, so he's in, in absolutely happy as Larry. Fred is self-isolating in the shed um, because he's taken up ukulele and by day three I'd had enough and I threatened to move into the airing cupboard so to compromise he moved into the shed. So you'll be hearing young Adam Clutterbuck milling around in our episode no doubt. It's, It's very hard to avoid him. He really is relentless, you know, he's at that age. So he'll probably pop up in this episode and we we tried to edit him out but he he does pop up everywhere which is a little bit like being in prison with a firework. We'll also be looking at annoying habits, but first we're going to be baking scones. Oh, welcome to our podcast. It's going to be such fun with talks, reviews and interviews and japes for everyone. Celia, what's going on? Oh, Fred, please stop your queries. I'm doing another episode of this, our second series. A second series, eh? What larks? Did we make any money? Oh, Fred, that's not how podcasts work. The very notion's funny. Listen to to our our podcast if you're not indisposed. We We tried to use the library, but it was blooming closed. Uh, Now, here we are in the kitchen, and today I'm going to be making my champion fruit scones. They really are terrific. I don't think you're going to be disappointed. Now, the first thing you want to do is set the oven to uh, 200 degrees, whatever. I don't know which one it is, but you should know. The oven temperature should be 200 degrees C. I couldn't have checked at the time because Adam Clutterbuck was about to fill all my cupcake cases with used batteries and black paint. That sounds a bit rum. He's only young, Fred. You were young once. Remember you shaved your teddy bear's fur off to see if it would grow back? Uh... Hmm. You did get a scone at the end of this episode, didn't you, Fred? I know you're a savoury man, so I put cheese on it. Much to my surprise, I rather enjoyed it. Oh, good. Right, oh, Fred, you'd better get back to the shed if you're going to start playing that again. My nerves are shot. I'll see you later. Good day. Oh, Fred, you're always so formal. And then grease a flat tray and pop it in the oven to preheat it. This is very important. It gives your little scones a quick boost. Now, the next thing you want to do is weigh out 350 grams of self-raising flour. Next, you want to weigh out to 85 grams of sultanas and then three tablespoons of caster sugar added to the sultanas. So I'm going to do that now. Here's my tablespoon measure. Yes, that's the one. Um, and lots of lovely sound effects, isn't there? Extra sound effects in the kitchen when one's cooking and recording oneself. I, um, I do like the jolly sounds of the dings and the, the toots and the whizzes and the bangs. I think it's very intriguing indeed. And hopefully, even if you don't like scones or you don't like my recipe or you don't like me, you will enjoy the toots, bangs and whizzes that are happening. Now, I'm just going to decant my um, sultanas and sugar into a bowl, a little bowl, while I weigh out my 
butter. Now, I'm actually cheating and using margarine because I think that butter is terribly delicious and a little bit... It's going to be easier for me to mix together my flour and margarine because I forgot to put my butter at room temperature, so that's the real reason. Now, you need 85 grams of cubed butter or um, three spoons of greasy-looking margarine. Find your sieve. would have been good, wouldn't it, if I'd found it in advance. Sieve it now from a great height, as well as you can manage, without getting too much of it on the floor. I've just been joined now by a small boy who's here with me in isolation. His name is Adam Clutterbuck, but he doesn't want me to use his real name, so we're going to be calling him Tintin for the programme. Hello, Tintin. How are you? Now, we'll grab our... Did you want to say hello? Yes. There we are. Now, we're just going to grab our baking powder, so we need to have just a teaspoon of baking powder. I've almost poured in the whole pot, haven't I? Thank you so much, Adam. That's brilliant. I'll just squeeze that through. Sorry, Tintin, I should say. There we are. I can taste that in the air. Can you taste that on your tippy tongue? Yeah. Yeah, I can too. I don't like it. Mix in the butter into the flour until it's got the texture of crumbs. I'll be back in a minute because it's going to take me a few minutes to do that. Okay. You're listening to Wife on Earth with me, Celia Jessen. We'll be back with scones part two later in the programme. But for anyone who's now anxious about the extravagance of putting the oven on for just eight sweet treats... They are just a novel extra. I'm having to put the oven on anyway because I'm also baking something else which we'll be hearing about after this listener endorsement. They can find you a book for your girlfriend, your husband, your girl or your boy. And if you've got a need for an uplifting read, Justine and Jonathan can pick out a book you'll enjoy. What a book at the bookseller Crow on the Hill. What a book, what a book at the bookseller Crow on the Hill. Crystal Palace Hill, that is. But you can order online. seem to do these days is bake bread and today you've caught me knocking up a small farmhouse it's whole meal you can't get plain flour for love nor money these days so like weeks ago though god knows what they're doing with plain flour all over the country making dough animals out of it perhaps i'm sorry i'm being silly unfortunately fred doesn't like whole meal but i'll tell him it's not i'll just say it's the light from the energy saving light bulb right now this has been proving for 12 hours it should be enough so i'm going to whack it in whack it in the agar Back in a moment. I must say, it's very heartening how all the old traditions have come back during this crisis. Jennifer Coyle is selling hand-knitted socks on Gumtree, and Lucy Nesbitt from number 44 is doing weaving on Zoom. And since Boots is so busy, uh, Mrs Clack has declared herself the local wise woman, as a misnomer if ever I heard one, and is out doling potions made from rose hips and dogwood, though by all accounts her nettle poultice didn't do old Mr Rumbelow's hemorrhoids much good. Anyway, that was actually the last of the wholemeal flour, but it doesn't matter because yesterday on the Lower Upping Facebook group I saw that Sue Prentice had posted a link to well-bred artisanal bakers. So I phoned up like a shot and ordered six French sticks and a dozen brioche for the chest freezer. He sounded like a very nice chap on the phone. I bet he answered it with his large flowery hands, didn't he? <laughs> he should be here this morning. Artisanal bakers. Perhaps he'll have a horse and cart instead of a van, just like the old days. Of course, he might possibly not be able to deliver. I'm sorry, madam, my front axle is gone and quick fit aren't on the list of essential services. You'll have to come and pick up your order. <laughs> the bakery is uh, is on Ship Lane. It's funny, I've never been inside, but 
There's always a wonderful smell of gingerbread and sultanas in the air. I'd knock on the door. Come in and find myself in the bakery. It's warm and comfortable and shafts of sunlight are shining through a cloud of icing sugar by the window. And there, just taking out a tray of balm cakes from the oven, he is. Mr Talbot, six foot eleven in his tall chef's hat and apron, his face pink with the exertion of it all and his blue eyes gleaming as if he'd glazed them with an egg wash. I say, are those bath buns? Indeed they are, miss. Would you like a nibble? Gosh, well, I wouldn't normally, but they look so inviting. Mmm. Mmm. Very tasty. I say, what are you doing? I've got a bit of flour on your nose, I was just pushing it off. Gets into all sorts of places, just the flour. Yes, I'm sure it does. Do you like a gingerbread man based on famous YouTube stars? Here's Logan Paul, and over here we have Dan TDM and Pewterbee. How quaint. They're a big seller with the young people. I'm sure they are. Would you like to sit down? I'd love to, but where? We'll just perch here on the edge of the table. Gosh. There you go. Sorry about the self-raising. I say, Mr Talbot, I'm most awfully sorry, but I, I think I've just sat on one of your cream doughnuts and squashed it. Oh, don't worry yourself. Not wrong with the squash cream doughnut. I'll just put it in the back of the tray in the shadow of a custard slice. Oh, Mr Talbot, you're like a big gingerbread man yourself with raisin eyes and smarty buttons on your shirt. Green ones. Green for go. Celia, come live with me here at the bakery. You can work here by the ovens with your hair in a scarf and an apron on. We'll rise at dawn to put the dough in the big mixer and then we'll flour the buns, laughing as we do. And while they're baking, we'll relax, drinking tea and playing rudimentary chess on a slice of Battenberg. So you'll be my Mrs Bun, Celia. Oh, Mr Talbot, I will. I will. Oh, that must be the delivery. Hello, Mrs. Sorry about the face mask. Well-bred bakery delivery. I'm afraid due to regulations, we're going to have to chuck your loaves in at the window. OK, very well. You don't look like a gingerbread man at all. What's that? Oh, nothing. Commence your chucking, I suppose. Oh, I say, could you be careful? That French stick nearly did me a mischief. Sorry. And then I was back in my kitchen with some mail-order breadsticks. And I decided I wouldn't be ordering anything online ever again. You're listening to Wife on Earth with me, Celia Jessen. And now we're going to go and finish off those scones. If you're baking with us, I do hope you've managed to make those breadcrumbs well. It's nearly time to put them in the oven, isn't it? I can't remember we've got to. I shouldn't do this bit now. Here it is. Now, that's the the flour and the butter uh, melted together to look like breadcrumbs. Now we're going to tip in our sultanas and sugar. Tip. There we are. And now we're going to do our liquid. Now, this is quite fun, this bit. So try not to eat the food, Adam Clutterbuck, because if you do that, we're not going to be able to uh, have enough uh, ingredients to make the full scone quota at the end, are we? Right. <laughs> now, so 175 um, of milk. Now, this is the secret ingredient now, a squeeze of lemon juice. And what this does is it makes the milk go a little sour. Um, of course, you could just use sour milk. It's exciting, yeah. isn't it? No, no, you'll be surprised, Adam, when you try it. You'll be very pleased. Can I taste it? No, you can't taste it. It's sour milk now. Mm. Let's tip that into there, and then we're just going to combine it with a wooden spoon. So, 
Adam is a, the boom operator today. He's doing very well indeed, concentrating. I think he's probably just queuing up to lick the bowl, which I've never understood because really it, it really is a bit like wallpaper paste at this stage, isn't it, Adam? I don't know why you'd want to. Why would you want to lick that now? Because it looks tasty. Well, I suppose. It, it looks even tasty when it's cooked there, doesn't it, Adam Clutterbuck? Now... Now that is looking slightly sticky, which is a worry, because I, as you know, am short of flour. Luckily, I think there's a small pinch in the bottom there. I can just uh, put that in there now to try and make it slightly less sticky. Now, we've now got our dough. It's combined very, very quickly. Now, what you've got to do now is you've got to make sure you don't pound this into it within an inch of its life. It's very important to have a light touch with scones so that they rise nicely, but not too much of a light touch that they fall apart into bits, which is what tends to happen with mine. So I've gently got all of the dough into, into the bowl and I'm gonna divide it up into eight equal pieces. So roughly pull it into two halves, but don't squash it flat because you'll be pushing all of the air out of it. So just dividing it into two halves and then dividing it into two halves again. And now Adam, what do I need to do to make eight? Do I need to divide it in half again? Yeah. Okay. And then again. No, that'll be 16. Yeah. Now, <laughs> I've now got to do an Operation Hot Oven. Okay, so uh, Adam, would you like to sing a little song into the microphone while I get the hot tray out? Would that be all right? Mm. Just sing a gentle tune for the listeners, thank you. No. Adam Clutterbuck, you're not being very compliant. <laughs> now I need to get my baking hot tray out of the oven now. This is going to be very, very hot, which is going to give my scones a kick start. So, thank you, Adam. I'm going to work as quickly as we can to get them into the oven. And then they'll be cooked in te just 10 minutes. Is that like a miracle, isn't it? Yeah. And now it's time for my book review. Before the library closed, I got hold of an interesting looking book, which had been displayed on the staff recommendations carousel. And it's called Jerusalem. It's a novel. It's set in the Midlands, Northampton to be precise. And it's written by Alan Moore, who is pictured on the back cover here. I was quite daunted by this book. It's quite a wide book. And I also wish I'd known which staff member had recommended it because if it was Sonia, I wouldn't have got it out at all because she made me read Room by Emma Donoghue as part of a book group a few years ago and it felt like a... It really was, and I absolutely hated it, body and soul. It felt like a terrible cash-in on real-life events at the time. It was puerile and trite. It was obvious and far-fetched and I didn't feel any sympathy for any of the characters. I... I don't know, I... I dislike being told how to feel when I'm reading a book. I really do. No stars. Anyway, the book I'm reviewing, this one, Jerusalem. After um, reading about a third of it, I began to suspect that the staff recommendation was uh, picked by the deputy head librarian, Marcus Cotton. He wears a lanyard. Marcus Cotton, he has no hair, three earrings and a wide, honest face. Anyway... It's by the by. At first, this book felt like a lovely soap opera. Lots of characters up to no good, lots of drama and excitement. And then slowly I realised that I was rushing to read more and more of this book every spare minute I had. Which isn't like me, really. I can take and leave soap operas. I can miss off a few episodes and come back in later on. But with this book, I really was drawn in very, very quickly indeed. Um, I ended up letting Adam Clutterbuck watch far too many episodes of Hey Dougie back to back so I could get back to this Jerusalem. And I found myself being swept away to Northampton, which I have visited a few times. I was in Northampton with, with fairies and, and ghostly apparitions and time travellers and shenanigans. And, and I thought, well, I'm not from Northampton, but this is where I grew up.
It's all terribly familiar. It's it's, it's the same. Why, that woman leaning against the mantelpiece, that, well, that's Norma Tooley that I was at school with. And, and there's my Uncle Jonathan asleep at the wheel, having had too many beers. He's, he's Benedict the poet. This book is about is about ordinary people with families and their stories and they make the best of it and accept our wrongs and and the only pudding I can really bake properly is apple crumble which any old nitwit can do and and then I ran out to the shed and I hugged Fred and I kissed him he was making a walking stick it was two meters long he attached a gardening glove at one end there he said I'm going to wave this at the neighbors if they come too close you better go now Celia because I'm about to learn one love and it has at least three new chords. It doesn't matter if you're not from Northampton, it'll be your hometown he's talking about. And it's made me understand more about who I am, and who my mother is, and who her mother was, and why we do the things we do. But I haven't reached the end yet, so it all turns out to have been a dream. I'll have to deduct a star. So I give Jerusalem by Alan Moore a cautious five stars. Now... One thing that can happen in the course of a relationship is that your partner's little idiosyncrasies, those quirks which at first seem so charming, so sweet and so adorable, like putting the DVDs back in the box upside down or always drawing a little Mexican man in a boat when viewed from above on the scullery window when it mists up with the central heating, well, after 30 or 40 years of these habits, they can begin to grate a little. So after extensive research, i.e. asking all the ladies at the WI and the yoga class, I can now reveal the top 10 habits you once found endearing but are now annoying. Number 10, trying to be entertaining at a gathering by telling your anecdotes and getting them wrong. Oh, Mrs. Capstock said the best thing to do is to walk past and say, I've heard this one and he's not getting it right and walk off. Number nine, sneezing much too loudly and ostentatiously. Yes, we know you have a cold. There's no need to sound like a cross between someone committing Harry Carry and a flock of geese flying into a plastic window. Up three places at number eight, it's talking like someone from 1565. Yes, Fred, saying, me thinks the postman be here, old Spodskins, is quite funny. The first 684 times, but after that it begins to pale somewhat. This week's highest new entry at number seven is leaving all the families packing to you, loading the car and pre-holiday cleaning of entire home, including taking out the bins, doing the recycling, putting the pets in the kennel and buy car down the plug hole, while he takes four hours to compile a CD for the journey. Straight in at number six is pointing out that an anagram of pole duck is old crap while you're trying very hard to concentrate on the scything scene. Straight in at uh, number five is the evergreen using the cuff of his sweater to pick up the kettle instead of the oven glove was hanging right there by the kettle. At number four is a non-mover saying hollyhobs instead of holidays. I don't think I need to go any more about that. At number three, last week's number two, is putting empty jars back in the fridge. A good 75% of the jars in our fridge consist of empty jars that Fred has put back. Last week I ended up making chicken with almonds with no chicken and no almonds. At number two, moving forward one place, is tunelessly humming the theme of Valdekirk while sitting on the laundry basket picking his feet. Unbelievably, I did once find this so endearing in the early days of our marriage that I wrote about it in my diary and drew a heart in the margin. And at number one, for the 3,000th week running, is saying supposedly instead of supposedly. Gosh, I'm quite stressed just thinking about all those. Oh, you're listening to Wife on Earth, and she needs to lie down. Well, we've got the scones out of the oven now, and uh, Centre Party Martin is going berserk with the jam, I might add. And um, Tintin Clutterbuck, what's the verdict?
But he's got a mouthful of scone. He can't actually speak, so that's not very good, is it? It's absolutely fantastic. I don't have jam very often, so I have gone a bit crazy. But uh, I'm looking forward to it. So rather than recording us chomping, we're now going to enjoy our cream tea. And I hope you enjoy your cream tea too, if you've managed to muster up the... Oh dear, sorry about the chewing sounds there from Tintin. So all the scones are made and uh, Adam Clutterbuck had two. Centre Martin Martin enjoyed one. And I left one for Fred on the veranda of his lovely shed. So hopefully he'll be very pleased when he comes out. Oh dear, I hope he doesn't tread on it. Maybe I'd better tell him. Anyway, you've been listening to Wife on Earth. Uh, We've got to go now and record the next episode. Uh, I'm not entirely sure what we're going to be doing. I think we might be making golden frames out of tomato puree tubes. I don't know. Everything's about crafting these days, isn't it? If you'd like to join in with our podcast, please feel free to send us a recorded endorsement for your favourite local business and we'll get Centre Party Martin to add some of his mandolin or banjo or electric guitar music to it and we'd love to endorse the business that you love very dearly. Goodbye. Bye-bye. This episode of Wife Now is written by John Neary and Joseph Nixon. Music by Henry.